Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the tax court, where we are trying to stay out of federal prison, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 263, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Albert. This is Tom. That's everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody? 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 Stan, Tony, Becca, Don. It's Stan. Yeah. Becca. Hold on, hold on. Do that yeah, again. I, I, I cannot edit this. <laughs> <laughs> and an absolutely huge shout out today to Megan for her gen- very generous contribution to the show. <laughs> today we are dropping philatelic warheads on your foreheads. Oh, no. We did not just do that, did Copyright we? Copyright trademark somebody else. <laughs> It is tax day, so we are going to discuss how to remove hinges from the backs of your stamps. Because uh, that's fine tax related. Sandpaper, right? <laughs> the official stance of the U.S. government from the U.S. Post Office, publication number 192. A hinge is a small strip of glassine which looks like waxed paper. It has gum on one side, and you use it to attach a stamp to a page. A mount is a clear plastic sleeve. You put your stamp inside it, and then you attach the mount to the page. A hinge is very inexpensive. Mounts cost a little more. I would say you should probably uh, mount it to the page and then put your stamp in it. Oh, you, we had a little I, discussion I, oh, about that see, in just a little bit. Oh, so I'm jumping. Yeah. Sorry. That's what I get for not reading the prescript first. <laughs> So to summarize, the official position of the U.S. Post Office, a stamp hinge is a small piece of gummed paper that is folded in half and enables a stamp to be mounted in an album or on pages. Hinge stamps are stamps that have, a, that have had a hinge applied to them at some point, but as we will discuss, this is open to interpretation. However, we are waiting on a ruling from the Supreme Court on this. Yeah, they'll most likely punt. Yeah. It'll be like a 5-4 decision. Yeah. The gum on the back of a stamp has been stuck to something. When the hinge is removed, there may be some disruption to the glue on the back of the stamp, and this can affect its value. Gum is an important factor in determining a stamp's value. For some collectors, the state of that gum and making sure that it has not been damaged in any way is of critical importance. When you become involved in stamp collecting and start to understand its terminology, then you start to see the significance that hinge stamps can have on the overall value of a collection. Here are some common terms that you are likely to come across when stamp collections are being described. Number one, never hinged, or NH, or OGNH. The stamp has never had a hinge applied to it. That's basically how the stamp looks when you bought it from the post office. No marks, no, no pencil marks, no hinge marks, no fingerprints, no... Nothing. Perfect. Zip zero, not a none. Hinged, or H, 
as you will see it described, the gum has had a hinge applied to it. That means something has disturbed the gum. Normally it's a hinge, but occasionally that can mean something else has disturbed the gum. Uh, sometimes the stamp has been, you know, if you're in a humid environment and you have a coil roll of stamps and the stamps are all rolled up, sometimes they stick together. Uh, sometimes you get little pieces of the stamp underneath adhering to the gum. And sometimes that can be termed hinged, but uh, usually we call that never hinged with gum disturbances. Although we have seen quite a few, and it's brought up many times that a person will have a stamp which has never been hinged, but it'll get a hinged call because the gum has had something on it. Well, sometimes it's a, you know, it can be... Um, having been handled with a greasy finger and it leaves more than just a fingerprint um, if the if it's got a fingerprint on it and you could submit it to the police and have them run it through the database and identify the person yeah that's a significant fingerprint and uh, sometimes we'll call those hinged um, usually uh, when PSE calls a stamp hinged that means either a there's a hinge remnant on it or that um, it's a very messy hinge mark. Um, and, well, we it, and it can probably cover anywhere from 25% to up to 50% of the, of the stamp. Well, we once called this stamp hinged because a person had dripped Coke on the back of it. Yeah. It, it actually wasn't a hinge, but it got a hinge call because the Coca-Cola made the gum... Unperfect, And the point of that is to basically to show that the stamp is not in pristine condition, which is what never hinged implies. Yeah, but it's curious. Uh, Becca, what about topical stamps? Because uh, topics, you collect the front of the stamp and the topic. So. so for topical, I'd rather have a stamp that's only been mounted and not hinged. But it's not going to stop me from collecting it if it has been hinged and it's something that I really want. How do you deal with like CTOs? Because CTOs sometimes, uh, you know, they're they've never gone through the post office, or, but they and they have a cancel. But you so still technically want... they're used. Yeah. So I've seen some people who collect their topicals and they care whether they're hinged or other ones where they really don't care at all. Well, canceled to order stamps are uh, defined in the catalog as as never hinged. Yeah. So yeah, even though they have the the cancel either printed or added by the government uh, and have not done philatelic duty, uh, they should still be never hinged. So Scott got a question. Yes. Um, I have a I pulled a bunch of stamps out of crystal mounts. And the gum looks like a shiny lake. We'll get to that. Oh, yes, when we get to that. A a scourge to the person who invented those. Okay. So, lightly hinged, or LH, the gum has had a hinge applied, but the mark left is very small or light. Those are the... that's, That's the most desirable hinge mark. It's small, it's light... Um, it's clearly been hinged, but um, 
the vast majority of the stamp is still has never hinged gum on it. Just and, the one little the, mark. And those you'll see like LH or VLH for very lightly hinged. And those typically are more desirable than ones that have hinge remnants and things like that. They they don't look as nice on the back. They don't lay as flat in the album if and it's got something on the back. And that's why Denison's hinges are so valuable because uh, they peel right off. They peel right off. You know, you can buy a pack of hinges for 3 bucks. A pack of Denison's hinges will cost you $25. Wow, I remember when they were only 12. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you just pop. Comes right off, pop. And so uh, you'll have lightly hinged stamps with Denison's hinges, and that's why people pay really so much money because they stopped making Denison's hinges, I think, in the 90s. No, those were Dennis's hinges. Dennis's hinges. <laughs> yeah, so from the 1990s. And those you, were terrible. You, that, that's, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they had some knockoff hinges that were just god-awful. However, I do have these uh, hinges that I got in there written in German, so, you know, German hinges. And you put those suckers on, and they're not coming off. Uh, that's well, the Prince? They, no, no, no. It's, a oh. diff, it, it's not Prince. It's another one, and I forget the name. But I use it for covers hmm. because covers are very heavy and I want them to stay on the, you know, I, I exhibit. So I want them to stay on the exhibit page and I can use corner mounts or I can use hinges. And a lot of times hinges are just so much easier than corner mounts that I'll mount stuff with uh, hinges. But if I use a Denison's hinge, the cover will come off and float around in the page. So I can't use that. So I use these extra strong hinges. Well, I, I think really when, when stamps became unpeelable uh, is when they stopped using uh, horse glue. Yeah. Basically adhesive made from animals. I mean, you, you always talk about taking your old horse to the glue factory. That's literally where the glue came from. Yeah, and, I always wondered about and, that. And that's why they're not peelable anymore, is because now they use synthetic chemicals to simulate and to create that adhesive bond. And until you go back to the uh, Basically, the organic adhesives, you're probably not, never going to find uh, a peelable hinge. I have a question. Who was the first person who looked at a horse and said, that horse is <laughs> going really super slow or something? Let's make glue out of them. <laughs> yeah, what are the things that you try? Yeah. You know? <laughs> he must have been re related to the person who decided, hey, that berry looks good. Why don't I try and see if it's edible? <laughs> well, heavily hinged, or HH, the gum has been hinged, and the mark left is very large and prominent. Okay, so at PSE, lightly hinged, we have, a, we have what we, we call it uh, previously hinged, or PH. And that, I don't think is on the list here, but uh, lightly hinged and uh, hinged are kind of lumped together in the pH category for previously hinged. A heavily hinged stamp is going to fall into the OG hinged category for PSE, and that's lumped together with stamps that have hinge remnants. So we have previously hinged and hinged. Previously hinged is nice, and hinged means kind of ugly. Either a hinge remnant or large and ugly. Yeah. Speaking of, hinge remnant, or HR, the gum has had a hinge applied to it, and, is, and a part of the hinge 
was so difficult to remove that it is still attached to the stamp. Or, or they just never tried. Yeah, yes. or lots. I've seen. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's you know a lot of times people won't try because there is uh, a lot of times if you're not good and haven't had a lot of practice, you can thin the stamp when you remove a hinge. Oh yeah, and, we'll discuss uh, that. And uh, <laughs> it's always much better if if in doubt, don't pull it. Yeah. Don't try and remove it. Just let it sit there because uh, a damaged stamp is worth less than a stamp with a hinge on it disturbed gum dg or dog disturbed original gum the gum has been damaged in some way other than being hinged well it can be hinged but generally um it, yeah it could be a mount like as stan was saying the crystal mounts or uh it, it could be just so heavily hinged that there's less than 50 percent of the gum there or a lot of Coca-Cola was spilled on the back. Yeah. Or, or the one we had where somebody spilled coffee on the back. Remember the coffee one? There's there's a lot of different things. Yeah. But um, it's generally, um, you know, if a stamp is stuck down to something, and uh, a lot of times that'll get a disturbed or a slightly disturbed gum call. All the U.S. possession stamps from Canal Zone and Guam and Cuba, they were shipped in little tins. And they had little wax paper interleaving, and the majority of those stamps show a little bit of um, adherence to the to the interleaving, and are called sometimes slightly disturbed or disturbed OJ. You see that with the Philippines too, where you yeah. will, you will have, and a lot of times that that wax paper is still stuck to the back of the yep, stamp. I, that's what I was just going to say is uh, they literally are stuck to the back of the wax paper, and when you pull the wax paper off, it looks sort of like it's been inside of a crystal mount. If you can get it off. The other term for that that's used by the auction houses and, and other people sometimes is tropical, tropicalized OG. Yep. Now, tropicalized OG, I always was, uh, I, I thought that meant uh, the, the, the gum had kind of crystallized and turned brownish um, from being well, out in the, in the heat. But typically what it actually is is that the gum evaporates. Uh, the humidity liquefies the gum slightly, and then it just evaporates off the back of the stamp. Well, not only that, you got lots of little microbes that live in humid climates that get in there, and they like to eat the gum because yep. a lot of times, especially on the older th stamps, the gum is, again, an organic-based gum, and so it, it likes to eat the gum. That's foxing. You see, you see the description foxing a lot. Well, that's when it occurs to something without gum. No, foxing is with gum. You also. get foxing on books, yeah, uh, on envelopes and things like that. You can get we it see on it a stamps lot on covers. too. Yeah, yeah, you can get it on stamps too, but that's uh, that's something that gets in the paper, not so much on the gum. No gum or NG. The stamp is unused and has no gum. Uh, also would add NGAI, which would be a stamp that is no gum as issued. Yeah, one is, one is good, one is not good. <laughs> right. And, of course, no gum is issued. If a stamp is issued without gum and you hinge it into your album or you take it out of an album and it has a hinge remnant, uh, usually you can just uh, soak it as you would a used stamp and press it uh, and dry it, and it'll come out looking... As good as new and yeah, I, I remember no harm, no foul. quite a while ago. It's not no harm, no foul. <laughs> Actually, a uh, person bought from me a mint park set, 
The Imperf Parks. The Imperf Parks. They were issued without gum. And the 8 Center had a hinge mark on the back of it. And he was just kicking up a fuss. And I said, okay, send it back to me. And so he sent it back to me. I soaked it and mailed it back to him. And, you know, because people don't understand. I mean, they know that things are supposed to be never hinged. That's how you are supposed to get it. So when you get something with no gum is issued and it's hinged, you know, you can't just throw it in water and clean it. Nobody's going to know the difference. I find that uh, and rather than soak it completely, uh, if it's a light hinge mark, I'll use a damp sponge just to rub the back. Yeah, I'll, I'll do off. that sometimes too, yeah. yeah. Well, and I know as far as PSE's stance on that, generally a no-gum or no-gum-is-issued stamp, you wouldn't call it hinge because hinging is something that affects the gum of the stamp. Yeah. Right. Now, <clears throat> on a plate block, a lot of times the plate blocks will have an area in the selvage that is on gum at the edge of the... Um, the gum goes over into the selvage, but then at some point it stops, and then there's an ungummed area. Um, if you read the information in the catalog, in the front of Scott's catalog, if there are hinge marks in the ungummed area, that makes the plate block previously hinged. And it qualifies as the previously hinged value. So then everybody just brushes the right, hinge right. marks So off. if you have a plate block and it's hinged only in the ungummed area, you can very carefully, like cash and mark we're saying with a with a damp sponge a lot of times you can just get rid of that hinge mark and you're good yeah well one of the things that i have seen quite often is uh the one cent and three cent parks souvenir sheet it was issued in uh 1934 i believe it is no what was it Anyway, yeah, 730 and 731? Yeah, it was issued, I believe, in 1934 as gummed, and then several years later as ungummed. Oh, what, okay, the smaller ones. Yeah, what people will do is if you have the gummed one and it's hinged, they will soak the gum off it and sell it as the ungummed one because the catalog value is higher. Um, uh, the stamp, and there's no way to tell the two apart. It literally is not doable. Well, that's, that's why the note in the catalog basically says you have to have uh, some way of proving it, which means you have to have an extra wide margin or right. you have to yeah, have a pair 766 or something a, like that. A bigger came from a bigger sheet, right? So if you if you left a bunch of selvage, yeah, the, it'd be obvious the, it was a 766. Yeah, the Farleys were issued in press sheets, yeah. basically. They were issued in full sheets, and so full when, panes. You, when you cut them apart, you either have to cut them a little weird so that you get extra selvage to show that it's not the one that was actually die cut to a specific size. The hitch is, though, is that there is no way for you to know for positive, except that you know maybe the one is perfectly cut and the other one isn't. But, I mean, if somebody actually said that, then, you know, just rough up one of the edges, make one of the edges a little crooked, <laughs> and boom, you know, it, it, it's... No, it has to be larger than a specific size. There are specific sizes listed, uh, given in the catalog for the, for the earlier souvenir sheets with gum, 
And you basically have to have more margin than that mm. to so you're expecting positively say that it's a special printing. Yes. Yeah. So you're expecting uh, stamp collectors to go out there and measure their sheets and find <laughs> it's just well, it's, it's it, not. It, no, it's that's what we're like, here for. Yeah, it's, that, it's like the yeah, bird, but nobody's going to expertize a seventeen dollar sheet. <laughs> well, it's like the bird stamp. The bird stamp was issued with gum number seven thirty three, and then it was reissued. Uh, as perforated as number 753 uh, without gum. Well, unless you have a pair that shows the guideline between them, you cannot prove that single stamps are from without gum or are from the Farley sheet. Yep. So uh, uh, you either have to have a large multiple or you have to have a pair, but you can't tell single stamps from the middle of the sheet. It's a it's a perplexer. But the, but that's also one of those things where the 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 no gum stamp is not really significantly different in value from yeah. the gum stamp. Is that why the gutters are popular? Yes. Yeah, because that proves. Yeah, that, that proves it, can, it. Yeah. Well, then we have regummed or RG. The stamp has had new gum applied to it in the place of the original gum. This is sometimes done to try and deceive buyers into believing they are buying an original gum, never hinged stamp. I've also seen um, there was a one guy who was doing regumming, and he would apply a hinge and and peel it off, yeah. leaving <laughs> a mark on the gum, so that you would think it was a previously hinged stamp when it was actually a regummed stamp. And that fooled a lot of people because, oh, it's got a hinge mark, therefore it must be original gum, when it really wasn't. And so they didn't check to see if it was regummed. They just assumed it was original gum because it had a hinge mark. Yep. Because crooks are smart. Crooks are smart. Uh, he It was probably pointed out to him at some point, and he started doing that and found much more success. Well, I mean, if you sell a stamp that's never hinged, everybody's going to check the gum. If it's got a real blatant hinge smack dab in the middle of it, they're not going to check the gum to see if it's never hinged. It's obviously hinged. Right. I mean, that w- that's when it's... Your profit things. margin's less, but at the same time, you have a lower chance of getting caught. Right. Because people just aren't... People don't use common sense and check anyway. Well, that happens a lot with counterfeits. And I see a lot of people who have the counterfeit, and it's all banged up. And they go, well, if they were counterfeiting a stamp, it would be like in nice, pristine condition. And they go, well, there's two things. First of all, the counterfeiter is going to bang it up so that it's not so obvious it's a counterfeit. And the second thing is, it's a counterfeit, so whoever had it may not have cared about it, and it just suffered some damage in the meantime. But... That's it, like that's like almost every movie you see where the counterfeiters take the money and throw it in the dryer with a whole bunch of poker chips. Yeah, yeah. To make them look beat up. Yep. Yeah. So just because a uh, stamp is uh, all beat up does not mean that it's not to counterfeit. And uh, Albert, you look like you were about to say something. No, okay. <laughs> you probably have uh, 150 stories of this happening. He's shaking his head. <laughs> and of course, with uh, regummed, you also have to deal with the 
foregone conclusion that some of those are going to be actually used yeah. with the cancel removed and yep. then regummed. Yeah. I I got a complaint. Uh, Jerry, a good friend of the show, he said, oh, PSE, you messed up. Look, you uh, put the wrong description on the stamp. And they showed me a stamp that it said used, or, uh, cancel removed. And you go, no, 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 no. This is a mint, never hinged stamp. You got the description wrong. <laughs> and we said, no, 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 no. You are being deceived. <laughs> so we're going to discuss the hinge remnant part of this today. Not as if we haven't discussed all of them already. <laughs> How do you remove a hinge remnant? And what happens if you do or if you fail because failure is always and has been an option? So here is my little thing that I always do is I'll take the back side of my stamp tongs and I'll rub it on the hinge to sort of break that bond between the wax paper and the gum because I find that it makes the ability to peel the hinge off less risky. I mean, there's always a risk. Now, there, there's a technique involved with that, and you need to practice on stamps you don't care about uh, before you tackle your your more expensive items. Yeah. No, definitely, yes. And you have, you're, you have to also be aware of what kind of paper the stamp is printed on. You can do it on some of the harder type papers a lot easier than you can on some of the softer papers, like the American Banknote Company papers from the late 1880s. If you do that, you're likely to leave a hole in the stamp if you rub it. I've, <laughs> yep. I've seen more than more than one disaster, and that's why it always pays to work on something that has got no value to you first, <laughs> because you it takes it takes a lot of time to get the technique down. Now. Yeah. If it's a used stamp, I highly recommend a bowl of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is for mint stamps. If it, you got a used stamp, just soak the damn thing off. Right, because there's a lot less risk involved. Yes. I mean, you, you run the risk of but the if stamp. If, if it was repaired, it can fall apart on you. But <laughs> then again, now you know it was a repaired stamp. So, uh, I mean, there is that. But uh, Did you do it on your $5 Colombian? I would. I would absolutely soak a $5 Colombian. I have. Many, <laughs> many $5 Colombians I've soaked. Well, I'll be honest. I've only ever owned one in my life, but I soaked it to clean off the back. Oh, I've only ever owned one, <laughs> but I've soaked a number of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Professional stamp soaker I mean, here. I own one. <laughs> well, between the three of you, you own three more than I do. <laughs> Yeah, so the second thing is uh, Albert brought up the banknotes. And what you're going to find with a lot of the banknotes is they used selvage to hinge their stamps into the uh, books. Well, yeah, if you get a really old-time collection, that was before the invention of glassine hinges. Yeah, but a lot of them got that. So you will have these terrible, you know, five-layer-thick hinges that make the stamp, you know, actually be deformed. And you just want to get all that crud off the back. But you don't want to have it no gum. You don't want to soak it off. 
So uh, what I have done in the past, and again, this is for extreme circumstances, where, you know, if I screw up, the stamp has not dropped any value. Um, I literally, I don't use a sponge. I use a paintbrush. And I will apply water on each hinge in a row. I'm not going to try to remove four hinges all at once. I'm going to remove them one at a time. But you put a little bit of water on it, let it soak, peel it off. If it doesn't peel off, you let it soak some more. And it's a long process. It's, yeah, you can do like one or two stamps in an afternoon sometimes. Yeah. It's like making absinthe. But you, you have to you have to make sure the stamp is worth the time investment. Yeah. Where, where that technique is really, really important, learning how to do it, is when you buy a multiple, a block of four that you want to break up. Um, I, I remember breaking up a $4, um, a $4, really well-centered $4 Colombian block that Phil Banser and I had paid $20,000 for. And we had one stamp sold for $12,000. This was in the late 70s. And it took all afternoon to take that block apart. Literally all afternoon, because it had hinge remnants on all four of the yeah. on all four of the stamps. Well, it's kind of like removing the wallpaper and uh, paint from a Victorian era house in the east or south. You know, funny you bring that up. It's exactly like that. <laughs> well, the other thing you is, know, eventually there's wall under <laughs> here. <laughs> there's uh, there was a well-known dealer in the south that. Uh, used to sell a lot of high-end items and a lot of blocks and, and multiples and things like that. And uh, even if they were uh, not starting to separate, they would put little tiny strips of hinge across the the perforations and uh, to reinforce to make sure that the blocks uh, wouldn't start to separate. Yep. And because of that, a lot of uh, stamps that uh, you look at and you think, oh, it's never hinged. But then when you look really closely in the corners, you say, oh, there's a little bit of a, there's either a little bit of hinge remnant there or there's the hinge mark left from the reinforcement. And you go, oh, I got to call this previously hinged because, because of that. Um, so that's something to be aware of on, on older uh, high value classic items. A lot of them came out of sing a lot of singles came out of blocks, and those blocks were uh, handled by some of the that particular dealer or some of the other dealers of that era, and they reinforced those blocks oh, to yeah. make sure they didn't come apart. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, something that people aren't aware of today, and you can still find some of the old albums that are the block of four albums. But if you wanted to collect and you were, I'd say, post-World War I up to about the mid-1930s, if you wanted to collect mint never hinge stamps, you would collect them in blocks of four. And you would hinge the top two stamps, but the bottom two stamps of the block would be perfect mint never hinged. And that's how they stored mint never hinge stamps. And that's why when predominantly you see uh hinged stamps that you know you don't i don't see the hinge mark well you're looking in the middle of the top and you're not looking over to the side where you only have half the hinge mark because they hinged a block and this hinge was put between the two stamps 
So the hinge mark isn't where you'd expect it. And we see that very, very often. Well, you'll see the ones from the, the top of the block, like Scott was talking with the hinge remnants, where you know it was the top stamp, and it's actually one of the bottom corners where the hinge mark is. Yeah. yeah. It's nowhere near the top because it was you know like a hinge reinforcement, like Scott was mentioning. And a lot of times they can be really light because when you when you moisten the hinge and you stick it down, sometimes they don't get the corner. You know, they're roughly rectangular. You don't get the corner. You just kind of get the middle so that it sticks. And, okay, it sticks well enough, but, you know, maybe one of the stamps only gets just slightly touched or not. You know, if you're lucky, you peel off the hinge and one of the stamps never even got touched. Yeah, could be, it, it does happen. Yeah, so, you know, peeling the stamps in a smart way, in an educated way, is very good. And also, if you get these big, huge hinge marks, then you have to get to a more destructive process. And I remember I got a collection of um, U.S. officials. And they were this way. And I basically said, these there is no way to rescue these. And all the stamps basically had half the gum removed. The top part, I literally, you know, soaked the mess off it. Because this was a, as ugly a collection as you could find. Great looking stamps. And what ended up happening was basically the top third of the gum was removed with the hinge mark. But the bottom two thirds still had OG. So that would be part original gum. And I got several of them expertizing. That's exactly what they got. They got POGs. So we've been teasing everybody about it, and Stan asked a question about it. Are we going to discuss mounts now? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, this came up because just yesterday uh, we had the Stamp Club meeting here, the uh, Boulder City Stamp Club. And they had a collection of Cypress Europa stamps. And I have always liked Cypress, and uh, the Europa stamps are fairly expensive. I mean, they're pretty expensive. Well, he had cataloged it all out, and the catalog value, because these came out in the 1960s, they're all in never hinge condition. So you have stamps that catalog $45, no price whatsoever for hinged. And so I went through, and I was checking them because, you know, I'm that sort of guy and they were in the c split back stamp mounts generally sold by Howard or yeah. Showguard. so they're clear in the front and they have black on the back but the black on the back there's two halves there's a top half and a bottom half those are called split back mounts and they're called c mounts <clears throat> and c mounts and so i was taking them out because i have experienced this and i wanted to look these people had got these stamps, and they said, these are in never-hinged condition. We have to put these in mounts so that they stay never-hinged. And sure enough, I'm pulling them out, and when they were licking the mount to put it into the album, they got a bit of spit. They slobbered. They slobbered <clears throat> on that little gap between the two, the top half and the bottom half. And it made a little straight line glazing mark right across it. And 
it literally dropped the value of the collection easily by 75%. I saw a U.S. collection about uh, 15 years ago that was offered for a quarter million dollars in the Midwest. And after about an hour, I just... I just said these are all dead. And I said, I said and the the collector's wife asked what happened, and I said he had a wet tongue. Yep. <laughs> I just said every everything. I said yes, you bought Neverhinge. You bought Neverhinge for me. They were certified and everything else. But when they get resubmitted, they aren't anymore. And actually, in some cases, the gum was so disturbed that the best they would get was be disturbed gum because the gum had soaked through and gum soaked the stamp. Well, some of the times, yeah, you will lick it. And the stamp will stick to the mount. Now, luckily, in the Cyprus uh, Europa collection, I got none of them stuck to the mount. Because if they stick to the mount, ninety-nine percent of the time they're going to be uh, they're going to be thinned when you pull them up. So none of them were thinned, but they had that line across it. And Scott, what does that line mean? Means previously hinged. Yep. So it's never been hinged. But it's previously hinged because it's the mount it's, mark. Now, over in Europe, they don't say never hinged. They say unmounted. So they say mint unmounted instead of mint never hinged. And so this is really where the, the idea of calling, where the concept of calling that mount line previously hinged comes from. Because it's clearly been mounted in a C-mount. And it has disturbed the gum. So therefore, we describe the gum as previously hinged, and people who and because it's very popular to use these C mounts. What I always tell people is treat your album like a hingeless album. You the hingeless album, you get the album, it has all the mounts in it, and then you put the stamps in it. So take the page, put the mounts on it. And then put the stamp into the mount. If you if you put the stamp into the mount and then stick the mount in there, you are just asking for problems. Exactly like what happened with this uh, Cypress collection. Another collection I just broke down for Jim Forty um, a couple weeks ago was a um, was a pretty good foreign collection, but everything was in C mounts, but they had hinged. Hinge the mounts. And of course, <laughs> the hinging went through the little split. Yeah. Yeah. If people think, oh, well, I'll hinge it in. No, put the mount onto the page, let it dry, let it be done, and then treat it like a hingeless album. You put the stamp in afterwards. Or use V mounts. I've seen, I've never seen this problem with V mounts. And mm -hmm. a V mount, a C mount will have a top and a bottom half. A V mount will have just a solid back and a solid front, but it's unattached. So people think, oh my goodness, the stamp will fall out of the top. Well, they don't. I mean, they can, but you would really have to like really work on getting those stamps moving because the pressure from the pages, the pressure from the mount, it pretty much holds it in place. It's the static electricity effect that it, holds them in place. Exactly. And so... Just don't if, carry your album upside down. Yeah. If, if I could tell people one thing, switch from C mounts to V mounts because you want mounts. I mean, mounting a collection is like you make a really, really nice collection. But you want to make sure that you don't 
accidentally turn a $45 stamp into a $2 stamp. Yeah, plus the fact that um, when you use a V-mount, you don't have to flex the stamp in order to get it into the mount. That's true, too. That's one thing I was going to bring up is taking something out of a C-mount and putting it back in. I'm always in dire fear that it's going to, however you're holding it open, is going to snap down and you're either going to crease a perf, crease the stamp... Or do some sort of damage trying to take it in and out of those C-mounts after they've been mounted like that. Yeah. Now, we've discussed C's and V's. Stan, why don't you bring up uh, your your favorite mount there? My favorite mount, not, is the crystal mount. <laughs> I had a box or two of a collection and was pulling them out, and they were in crystal mount. And those crystal mounts left the gum as lake. Yep. Yeah, the shiny mirror surface. It it uh, yes. very very slight humidity, very slight humidity will collect in there. The pressure of the page against the gum against the back of the crystal mount will make it like glass. And uh, so your mint never hinge stamps turn into what, Scott? Disturbed OG. Yeah, <laughs> not even hinged. <laughs> they, they go straight to the dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, they turn ugly. Yeah. It's the ugly. So uh, we, we at the uh, Charleston Stamp Club when we were online, we were discussing this a bit. And we were trying to find out who invented them. And we still don't know who invented them, but I guess the first person to sell them was H.E. Harris. Is that correct? Is that what we found? Tony's nodding his That's head, yes. That's what we figured out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was H.E. Harris. I mean, you know, but wasn't H.E. Harris the co-inventor of the tube sock? No, 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 no. They, they, they invented a cheap knockoff that... You know, you, you'd put your foot through and the toes would pop out the bottom and everything. And then the bottom of your foot would look all glassy. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Knock off tube socks. I figured that would be Sparati. <laughs> <laughs> so, Not Nike? <laughs> so, yeah, even if you are using mounts, you still have to worry about the gum. Using a mount does not alleviate you having to take some effort into preserving the stamped gum. Well, the other thing is um, you have to remember that pressure can also, because you have a, a split in the back of your mount, if you lay it down flat and stack your albums up, that pressure can also force the gum to migrate. It's just like glass. Glass migrates over time, but it takes so much time to migrate that you never notice it you know softer things like molasses will will you can see the flow but but uh you know the the mounts they'll come up you you forget about them for a little while and all of a sudden you got a mount line because it that pressure just squeezed it through the yeah the gap always want to stir your albums upright yes that's another reason for using v mounts instead of c mounts is that you don't have that split along the back so even if you forget and stack your mount or stack your books flat by 
accident for a few days, it's you're not going to have as much of a chance of having that happen. Well, my collections are all in hingeless albums. And hingeless albums, all the ones that I use, I mean, I know there are different ones, but all the hingeless albums I use always use V-mounts. And so uh, it, it isn't even really a choice I make. It's just I get the albums and the albums have that. So I am very used to it, and I have never lost a stamp out of a V-mount. I've noticed, like, if I drop an album or something, a couple of the stamps may, like, move around a little bit, but it's not like they fall out. Uh, I, I just have nothing bad to say about... I have nothing bad to say about V-mounts. I have things to say about C-mounts. And I have everything to yell out about crystal mounts. Yep. I do have one drawback on, on V mounts. And that is that if the, if the binding at the, at the base of the mount uh, becomes loose, the top, fr- uh, the top of it can fall off. Oh, yeah. Then to replace it, you have to stick another mount on top of the plastic that's already there. And it's not a very good Oh, no, no. You, not a very good you can... You, it, it makes a mark, but I've pulled the mount. They, they do break. He, he brings yeah. up a great point. They do break. Um, but I just pull the old one off. I try to, you know, I try to do it as much as least destructively as possible. You're going to damage the page. Right. Because there's just no way to get it off without pu- taking paper with it. But you minimize the paper. And then you just stick another one on the top. And generally speaking, all the damage you do to the page is covered up by the stamp anyway. Yeah. So, but yeah, you do have... It's a small peeve. Yeah, it, it, you do have uh, mount casualties. Well, I think with that, we're going to mount this one into the record book. So we need your help. Join the podcast. Membership is $10 for a lifetime. We need your help to keep us going because nothing on the internet is free to do, including setting up all our glorious telephone connections. If you have your APS number, please send it to us because we are an APS-affiliated club. Our address is P.O. Box 539-309, Henderson, Nevada, 89053, and your support is very much appreciated. And I apologize, too. We had three people who joined. We always give people a shout-out when they join. Um... We Yes, we got your uh, payment, and we'll give you a shout-out at the next one. I just didn't have it done today. I apologize. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 263. This was Tom. This was Cash. This was Scott. This was Mark. This was Albert. This was Stan. This was Tony. This was Becca. This is Dawn. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting.
Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.